0: Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home Podcast for Tuesday, March 3rd. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Indie devs explain why they're not on Stadia. Mario Kart Tour is finally getting multiplayer. Different polls reveal video game movies people want to see the most, and the best Final Fantasies and Final Fantasy characters, which is, is perfect for today, Super Tuesday. And we learn all about Grand Blue Fantasy versus the new fighting game from Arc System Works. Indie devs explain why they're not on Stadia. Stadia, Google's ambitious game streaming service, which allows gamers to theoretically instantly play video games without purchasing physical media or even downloading video games to a local hard drive has been out for a few months and has failed to make a significant splash. Part of the reason for the lack of excitement surrounding the service is its library of games is currently underwhelming, and one of its most notable blind spots is prominent indie games. Ben Gilbert for Business Insider reported on why this might be the case by speaking with a number of indie developers under the pretense of anonymity. Gilbert writes, We were approached by the Stadia team, one prominent indie developer told me. Usually, with that kind of thing, they lead with some kind of offer that would give you an incentive to go with them. But the incentive was kind of non-existent, they said. That's the short of it. It's a statement we heard echoed by several prominent indie developers and two publishing executives we spoke with for this Business Insider piece. It's that there isn't enough money there, one of the publishing executives we spoke with said. The offer was apparently so low that it wasn't even part of the conversation. The incentive isn't solely financial, but it's the main part of the equation. When we're looking at these types of deals, another prominent indie developer said, we're looking at, is this enough money where we have the resources to make what we want? Or is this an exclusivity deal that gives us security, they said. So that was from uh, Business Insider. Google and its Stadia service is in a difficult position right now. It officially launched the service in a limited capacity in November with the option to pay $129 for a Chromecast Ultra and three months of Stadia Pro, and you also got access to a small library of games that would have to be purchased separately, and that library has just not grown much since the launch of the service. The long-term goal is to offer an alternate Stadia service that is free and users just buy the games, but then they miss out on some of the more impressive Stadia features like higher resolutions. Right now, though, and this is just me sort of going off my own perception of the service as opposed to being based on scientific numbers, it just really hasn't made an impact. In November, it launched to unspectacular reviews. No one loved it. No one hated it. It was just fine, and I feel like that's really the last time I heard much about Stadia. I love the pitch of Stadia, especially as someone who doesn't like sitting at a desk to play PC games. I love the idea of streaming games to an underpowered laptop, or especially to my phone laying in bed, and I really hope Stadia can be that someday, but right now it's just, it's just not looking strong. Ben Gilbert for Business Insider reached out to Google for their impressions from the service, and got a quote from Stadia representative Patrick Siebold who said, the publishers and developers we speak with regularly are very supportive and want Stadia to succeed. It is also worth pointing out that not every publisher has announced their games for Stadia so far, and more games will continue to be announced in due course. I'm honestly pessimistic about Stadia's future right now, but I do want it to succeed so I can comfortably lay in bed and play graphically intensive PC games on my phone. So in that sense, I am, I'm rooting for Stadia. Hopefully, I will be able to play PC games on my phone in bed soon. Mario Kart Tour, the mobile Mario Kart, is finally getting online multiplayer next week. Nearly six months after its initial launch, Mario Kart Tour, the mobile Mario Kart game, is finally getting an update to add multiplayer on Sunday, March 8th, at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Nintendo announced the update on the official at Mario Kart Tour EN Twitter account, writing, Race against players worldwide to raise your grade under rules that change daily in standard races and gold races. When racing friends or others nearby, rooms let you pick speed, item slot number, and more. Along with that tweet, it also included an image that had some additional details You'll be able to race with friends online or those nearby. There will be standard races that let you race against others around the world where the rules will change daily. And there will be gold races that will be available exclusively to Gold Pass subscribers, which is the subscription service within Mario Kart Tour that is $4.99 a month. And that will pit you against, quote, the best of the best. I actually reviewed Mario Kart Tour for IGN, and I I think that game has a lot going for it. It looks great. It plays well for a touchscreen racer, and the races are quick, which is good for a mobile game, but it is wild that it has taken as long as it has to add multiplayer to Mario Kart, a series renowned for its multiplayer. I'm curious to see if multiplayer gives it a little boost in popularity. If people weren't playing Mario Kart Tour before, I I don't know that it was because the game didn't include multiplayer so much as people just didn't like playing a free-to-play touchscreen-controlled version of Mario Kart. I played it a lot when it first came out, but that was out of review obligation and responsibility. I do think the game is pretty fun, but I don't know that I will check back in when the update releases on Sunday night. I don't think it's going to make that game any more of a destination than it already is for me. The Hollywood Reporter did a poll about what kinds of video game movies people want to see, and the results are really weird. Patrick Shanley for The Hollywood Reporter recently reported on a poll that the site ran to try and figure out what kinds of movies based on video game properties people want to see. Quote, the nationally representative poll conducted from February 21st to February 23rd among 2,200 U.S. adults found that 44% of respondents were very, very, or somewhat interested in a new Mario film, the most of any other game franchise on the survey. Pac-Man and Mario Kart tied for the number two spot, with 37% of respondents notching the very or somewhat interested votes. The full list and the percentages associated with each entry are are strange and wild. It really kind of reads more like a list of video game franchises with the percentages corresponding to how recognized they are, as opposed to whether they would actually make a good movie. Super Mario Brothers is at the top, which is good, because a movie is currently in the works with the animation studio Illumination, which is, uh, they're the folks behind the Despicable Me movies and the Minion movies, the Secret Life of Pets, and then the recent Dr. Seuss adaptations, like The Grinch and The Lorax. So, number two on the list... Is Pac-Man, which, like I said, feels like it landed on the list not because it would be an interesting or good movie, but rather because it is a very recognizable and known video game franchise. And then it, it tied with Mario Kart, which I I don't even know what that movie would look like. And then Donkey Kong was next. And then honestly, the next three franchises are ones that probably could actually translate into movies. Which is, uh, it was Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, and The Legend of Zelda. Now, I love The Legend of Zelda dearly, but I don't think I ever want to see a movie adaptation of it. That series is really special to me, and I feel like I feel like a movie version would just serve as a piece of media that people who haven't played Zelda would watch. And they would just kind of shrug their shoulders at it and say, I don't know, just sort of feels like another fantasy movie. unless Unless it's an amazing movie, of course it at least has fleshed out characters and a setting and a story which a lot of the other games on this list don't have some other surprises on there tetris is embarrassingly high <laughs> beating out things like final fantasy halo the elder scrolls and metroid and then fortnite is surprisingly low if considering its popularity it seems that the poll was geared more towards adults, though, so so I suppose it would make sense that classic franchises that grown-ups have fond memories of would be high on the list. You can find a link to the Hollywood Reporter story and all the stories I ever talk about in the show notes if you want to check out the full list yourself. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Final Fantasy X is the best Final Fantasy, according to a Japanese poll. I swear I didn't plan for the show to have two stories about polls on Super Tuesday, but, you know, which, hey, make sure you get it registered to vote and go vote, but I suppose it's appropriate. And hey, polls like this are interesting, at least I think they are. Liam Doolin for Nintendo Life reported recently on a poll run by Japan's national broadcaster NHK where it asked fans to rank the Final Fantasy games and its characters, and the results are interesting. The full list includes 30 Final Fantasy games, but I'll just give you the top 10 right here. Number 10, Final Fantasy 15. Number 9, Final Fantasy 11. Number 8, Final Fantasy 4. Number 7, Final Fantasy 8. Number 6, Final Fantasy 5. Number 5, Final Fantasy 14. Number 4, Final Fantasy 9. Number three, Final Fantasy VI. Number two, Final Fantasy VII. And of course, you already know number one, it was Final Fantasy X. That top three sounds about right, but I'm surprised 7 isn't number one, especially considering it's on everyone's mind right now with a remake around the corner. I am surprised to see Final Fantasy XI so high, honestly, but I do know that the people who love that game really love that game. I'm also surprised but happy to see Final Fantasy XV made the top 10. I recognize that longtime Final Fantasy fans might not love that entry, but I really liked Final Fantasy XV. I had a good time with that game. The full character list accounts for 75 Final Fantasy characters, but I'll just I'll give you the top 15 here. And apologies in advance if I mispronounce any of these. Some of these I, I actually wasn't familiar with. Number 15 is Arun from Final Fantasy X. Number 14 is Squall Leonard from Final Fantasy 8. Number 13 is Noctis from Final Fantasy 15. Number 12, Harshafont Greystone from Final Fantasy 14. Sephiroth from Final Fantasy 7 is number 11. And here we go into the top 10. Zack Fair from Final Fantasy 7 is number 10. Number 9, Tifa Lockhart from Final Fantasy 7. 8 is Lightning from Final Fantasy 13. Number 7 is Titus, or Titus, depending on how you want to pronounce it, from Final Fantasy 10. Number six, Emmett Selch from Final Fantasy XIV. Number five, Zidane Tribal from Final Fantasy IX. Number four, Vivi Ornatier from Final Fantasy IX. Number three, Aerith Gainsborough from Final Fantasy VII. Number two, Yuna from Final Fantasy X. And number one, Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII. Cloud's placement there isn't surprising, and I'm happy to see Yuna at number two. Lightning is an odd character because Final Fantasy XIII is generally looked down upon in the grand Final Fantasy scheme, but Lightning is weirdly beloved in spite of that game. It's also weird that despite being the third favorite Final Fantasy game, no characters from Final Fantasy VI appeared on the top 15. Kefka just, I guess, wasn't charismatic enough to beat Harchiphant Greystone from Final Fantasy XIV, who I use as an example because I don't think I've ever heard his name before. I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about that character as being one of the greats. You can find a link to the Nintendo Life Story, which has the full list of winners in today's show notes. Here's what's out today. Tuesdays are usually pretty dense for new releases, but today is definitely a quiet day. Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is out today for PlayStation 4 for $59.99 or $79.99. If you want the premium version that includes the game's soundtrack and art book, a handful of in game cosmetic items, and some other bonuses, the game will also be coming to PC on March 13th. So, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus comes from Arc System Works, and it's a fighting game based on the popular mobile Japanese role playing game Grand Blue Fantasy. Alongside the fighting, there is apparently a limited RPG campaign. The core Grand Blue Fantasy RPG series has not yet made its debut in North America, so it’s a little strange that the fighting game has become the series’s uh, first foot forward here in the United States. The game uses what now has become Arc System Works’s signature style and that it looks fantastic. That shouldn’t be surprising, considering it is coming from the studio that made Dragon Ball Fighters and Guilty Gear. On Metacritic, the game has been reviewed by 12 outlets so far and is currently sitting at 76 on the Review Aggregate website. That's it for video game news today. As far as what I'm playing, I'm still making my way through One Punch Man. Gotta get that finished up soon. Still ending my night with PictoQuest every night so far. Looks like I'm like 25 percent through that game. We'll talk more about it soon on the day it actually comes out. But there's a game, there's another Picross game coming out called Murder by Numbers that I uh, am super excited about. So we'll see if that unseats Picto Quest as far as my daily right before bed Switch game. Thanks for listening today. Feel free to send me tweets or DMs with feedback and corrections to either Kyle M. Hilliard or Gaming Ride Home. You can send an email to kyle at ridehome.info as well. And please consider leaving a review for the podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator, where I play random stuff a few times a week. And you can find me on the Min Max Show for more long-form video game discussion. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers.